And our, our topic is going to be really action against sin. So many times we, uh, and what I mean by that is, um, is really going on the, uh, doing something um, against sin, ridding ourselves, taking action, a work that we are to do, that we're called to do as Christians against sin. And so many times in the Christian life, we, we hear of wait on the Lord. We, we kind of have, a, we hear about the, the passiveness of the walk with God. And I don't want to really say passiveness, but we hear about waiting on the Lord, being patient, um, stand, um, those type of things, a part of our Christian walk. And this is really uh, more of an offensive message um, that we see in the Bible of what we are to do um, with sin. And we're not going to see, we're not going to talk about waiting on, on the Lord so much and our standing. We're going to talk about something that's really going to take a lot of action on our part. Um, and the idea in the, the topic this morning is, is spiritual amputation. If you can think of that as spiritually cutting off. And we get, I get that term uh, to amputate, to spiritually amputate from a passage like this in Matthew 5.27. And, and let's read it. It says, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right eye or right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Pretty radical, huh? We see also this same, if you go to Mark's Gospel, in chapter 9, verse 42, you kind of see a little different of a context with uh, the teaching on this spiritual amputation, this taking action against sin. It, it says in Mark 9:42, and if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea and a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. You guys kind of get the picture here? You don't want to get thrown into where? Hell, <laughs> that's right. It's, uh, it's one of those passages that you read and you go, you know, you, you always hear Jesus, you know, in the lily fields hanging out. I mean, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley in the 70s and, you know, hippies galore. And, and uh, you know, that's Jesus, man. You know, that's Jesus. And then you read a passage like this, man, and it's just like a rude awakening. Whack. I mean, Jesus talked about hell. A spiritual consequence. If the only way we can spiritually amputate and get rid of sin in our life is first, if you're a Christian, you have to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, 
and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you are utterly powerless over your sin. That no matter what you try to do, you will not conquer it. You will try and try and try, and you'll never find freedom from that. It says the only way that someone can be a conqueror is by becoming born again, born of the Spirit of God. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in me and has given me power to overcome the things of this world, the sins of this world. So if you're not a believer out there, I pray that right now you would just confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your heart. Because that would be the first step to overcoming areas of sin in your life. For those that are Christians, this passage means where to take some action against sin. Jesus says it very clear, you know, that, hey, if the right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And now Jesus spoke this way all the time. He spoke in kind of a hyperbole, a a kind of certain type of speaking that really was very extreme. Hate your mother and father. Unless you hate your mother and father, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. You think of those passages and you go, man. What is Jesus talking about? He didn't teach hate your mom and dad. But he was saying, you need, you know, you need to have me first. I got to be numero uno. Loyalty to me is far greater than any loyalty you can have on this earth. And Jesus spoke like that all the time. I am the door. He's not a door. Right? You know, I am the light, he's not a light, you know, in in the sense of, you know, light. You know, he spoke a lot of times in in that kind of a way. And here he speaks in that same way. You know, he's not saying, hey, you know what, if you're out there right now and you're going, man, you know what, my hand does cause me to sin. You know, I don't want, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm saying right now and everybody hears me, right? Everybody's hearing me, right? I'm not saying go take the saw later on today to your hand. But Jesus was saying is that sin is so devastating in our lives. And it will do such a work of destruction in your life that if you don't treat it as something that bad and you don't do something that radical against it, it will destroy and dominate your life. A Christian cannot be passive in the area of sin. Coming to Christ was actually an action of, of, of violence against sin in a way. It was an action of violence against sin, destroying the work of sin through what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And that's what we're to do in our day-to-day lives is take an action against sin. Not be passive with it. If you're out there and you go, hey, you know what? I don't even know what you're talking about. I mean, I am a Christian, but you know, there's really kind of no sin going on in my life and I don't see anything. Then I would say, man, you really, maybe you're not winning that battle. You know, I love to hear about Christians that are in a fight. I love to talk to Christians that are 
saying, man, you know what? I mean, this is going on, and I'm battling here, and I'm battling there, and I won there, and I'm not winning there, and da-da-da-da. Because that lets me know that they're, they're, they're in, a, in a battle. But talking to a Christian that says, oh, yeah, yeah, things are good. Yeah, oh, yeah, everything's great, 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 yeah, great, yeah, great, great, great. It's like, hmm. Now, we are, we are to really go against. Now, we're going to look at some passages, and we're going to be flipping around our Bibles a little bit just to kind of get the idea uh, of this principle that there is a spiritual amputation that God desires for us to do. And we're going to see some examples from the Old Testament that really we see with the people of Israel that deal with a physical cutting off of things. And then we're going to see some examples um, in the New Testament, some of them that deal with more of a, a mental amputation, things that happen in our mind, you know, to really get rid of things in our life. So if, we, if you will, just go to Isaiah 30 with me. We're going to kind of flip around in the Old Testament. If you're not really uh, sure of uh, the, the books of the Old Testament, this might be a good little time for you to flip around a titch. In Isaiah 30, we get to verse 22 of this wonderful chapter. This is awesome. Uh, Verse 18 is wonderful of this chapter. I mean, look at verse 18 of Isaiah 30. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. If you were out there today and you just go, man, I am bummed out. Things ain't going right. Look at Isaiah 30, 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. And he's writing that in the midst of a people that have been rebellious, very rebellious. Like I've been in the past. Very rebellious. And in verse 22, though, it says, Then you will defile your idols overlaid with uh, silver and your images covered with gold, and you will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, Away with you. Now that is a radical amputation taking place right there. But you see how the sin is looked upon as in that passage. Not something cute, but something that needs to be literally tossed away. Something that needs to be pushed aside all the way. Now let's go to Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57 verse 14 we'll see another passage that, that deals with this radical amputation, this cutting off of sin. And it will be said, build up, build up, prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people, for this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. So it says there, remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. That kind of leads us to a question, kind of, and that is, what are some of the obstacles in your life? What are some of the areas of sin that are, have become obstacles in your life? Things that might be crowding your Christian life. If we turn to Ezekiel, which is just a couple books ahead of where we were at, go to 18. And hopefully we're going to really just have it in our hearts of what we need to do with sin. It says in verse 31, Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed. So right there, it's pretty clear. Rid yourself of it. 
Get rid of it. Whatever the sin is in your life, let's deal with it. Do you guys see that? Ezekiel 18.31. And if you just flip over to Ezekiel 20, verse 7. And I said to them, each of you get rid of the vile images you have set your eyes on and do not defile yourself with the idols of Egypt, for I am the Lord your God. So we see in the Old Testament, there's many passages that deal with really the idea of getting rid of sin in our lives. Um, This one's a a great one because it talks about our eyes and how our eyes, uh, we can fix our eyes on stuff. And become in bondage to things that we see. And we have to watch out for that. And it tells us to take action against that, to rid ourselves of those images. Now, I want you to see a passage. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter um, 10. And this is called brain amputation. Yeah. It's always good to just get a good view of how the Bible talks about a subject and, and the different ways it talks about it. And in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10, it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Isn't that kind of cool? It's a mental amputation. What it says is when something comes into our brain, what we do is we make a decision on that. We make a decision to either get rid of it or to allow it to fester and influence our lives. Jesus said, whatever man enters in is going to come out. You know, whatever enters in is going to come out. It's one thing to have a thought and to just deal with it and just to say, hey, this is a thought that's going to hold me into bondage. If I continue in this kind of way of thought, then it's going to lead me into a path of destruction. And it's always good to, you always go, hey, I wonder if what I'm doing is sin or not. There's a good little benchmark to to kind of think about this, a good little test. And that is, if you continued in that over and over, what would it lead you to do? That's a good way to see if something really is sin or not. If you kept doing what you do, and you allowed it just to progress in your life over and over, what direction would it take in your life? Would it lead you into bondage? Would it lead you into freedom? And that will help you understand what it is you need to take captive of in your thoughts. Notice it says in this passage, it's kind of neat, in verse 5, it says we demolish those arguments and every pretension, anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Meaning we have the knowledge of God in our thought life, in, in our hearts, and in our minds. And anything that comes against that, we want to take action against that, that thought. We're to take action against the things that come against what the Word is, what the Word is in our minds what we know about the Word of God. The Word of God tells us, hey, live in purity. And yet there's thoughts of impurity in our mind, then we are to literally deal with the impurity that is in our mind. 
Because it's setting itself up over the things of God. And we don't want to have anything set itself up over the things of God. And it's going to start with your thought life a lot of times. You know, if you look at any of your sins, if you look at any of mine, and if I reflect on any of the sins in my life, you know, they always started with a thought. It always did. You know, drinking, drugging, sexual abuse, all that never started um, without first having a thought in the mind. And then allowing that thought to progress and to take captive of, of my life. And if you look at your life, you'll see it the same way. It was something that you festered in your life over and over in your mind again and again and again. And you kept playing with the thought. And it was setting itself up against the things of God, but yet you kept kind of playing with it. And then pretty soon, it pretty much dominated Pretty soon there came a time where, you know what, you, you know, for me it was you're at a party and, you know, there is a beer and all of a sudden you start that or you start smoking this stuff and you start doing different things. But it all started with the compromise of the mind against the things of God. Instead of being on the offensive, see, hopefully you're getting the idea that a Christian, you, you want to be on the offensive all the time, right? You've you got to be taking action all the time. There isn't downtime, right? There's no Christian downtime. I kind of cease from being a Christian right now. I'm going to, you know, put it in neutral, you know. I'm going to go out by the pool, relax, and just kind of hang out, take a vacay from my Christian life, right? But some of us, we walk like that, don't we? Huh? If we all got honest, we would say, hey, there's a little bit of some vacation time in my Christian life. Where I've kind of learned to like put it on and I've kind of learned to put it off. I've kind of learned that when those thoughts maybe come in my life and things like that, maybe to you know, just put aside the things of God a little bit. You know, just compromise a titch, you know, go on cruise control, you know, just let things play out. And a lot of us do that, and then later on down in our life, we kind of go, man, our life's a mess. How did I ever make those decisions? How did I ever get to this place in my life? You know, I don't, I don't have too many people that come in my, my office that are going through a divorce that just said, hey, you know what? I woke up one day and I said, you know what? I want to get a divorce. That's what I want to do today. That's not how it happens, right? We all know that it happens so slowly and progressively and all those things. And where, man, all of a sudden you're there. All of a sudden the heart's hard. All of a sudden, man, you are in bondage. You don't even know how to get out. And you're wondering what's going on in my life. And I thought I loved her and now I don't. And I don't know why. And da, 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 you know. And it all starts at this little thing in our minds. Look at it again. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. 
Our thought life wants to be in obedience to Christ. You know, it's a crazy passage. It's in the Psalms, but it says God desires truth in the inward parts. Man, that's a tough one. God, I can look good on the outward. I can be a good Christian outward. But you desire truth where? In the inward parts. Man, why do you got to be so thorough? (laughs) (laughs) But he is, and, and, uh, and it's so much for us. We're being conformed into the image of Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's what God's whole desire and purpose for us is, is to be conformed into the image of Christ. And it starts in that thought life to rid ourselves of those thoughts that come in. A great illustration of amputation is there's a lot of them in the Old Testament, but I want you just to look at Deuteronomy. The reason why I chose the passage in Deuteronomy is because Jesus quoted from the book of Deuteronomy more than any any other book. Um, So this is Jesus' book right here. You want to know what Jesus was into, man? He was into the book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) This was his book. And it's, it's a wonderful book. You, you, you just, if you read it, you'll go, oh, wow, yeah, Jesus quotes that. Oh, Jesus says that. And, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be one of those. This is when they're going to go into, before they're getting, re- or they're getting ready, the people of Israel, to go into the, um, to drive out the nations, to take over the promised land. And it says in verse 2, and this is, oh, chapter 7, thank you. Hey, don't worry, you, with me, you can yell out, say, man, you're wrong, buddy. No. <laughs> um, verse 2, chapter 7, Deuteronomy. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. You get that? Verse 2, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Okay, the idea is that when we spiritually amputate, again, it's a total amputation. It's a total cutting off. It says, in, uh, to continue on, make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. You know, don't allow the, the sin to be around, you know. And I've done that plenty of times in my life, you know, and we all have where we just play with it a little bit, you know, until it has us again in the grip. So don't make any treaty with sin. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do with them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. Now, in my Bible, I have, um, I have all the action words highlighted. You know, turn, break, smash, cut, burn. <laughs> so when I turn to, you know, when I'm flipping through the Bible, I'm like, okay, what does it say? Turn, break, cut, burn. Okay, it's dealing with sin. You know, it's dealing with enemy you know the our enemy sin what are we going to do we're going to break it smash it cut burn do away with it now the reason why all this we, we you wonder man well why do we why do we got to do this well 
Um, first of all, if you feel like you have to do it, that's a drag. It's never, it's never a have to. It's a get to with the Lord. I mean, we get to do these things. And in verse 6, it says for of Deuteronomy 7, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. God is holy. We are to walk in holiness as God is holy. The way people are reached and the way God has established things in his sovereignty is that God would use us and that we would reflect and be an image bearer of God who is holy and who is pure. So when people see our lives, they see holiness and they see purity. Does that make sense? We are to reflect our Father. So we see that that's really an illustration here. The people of Israel are supposed to do this to the enemies and we're to do that to sin. We're to really take that. Now, um, a couple other passages I want to take you to in the New Testament, just because they're so cool, is um, the book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3, and let's go to first, uh, verse 5. It tells us about some radical amputation here. It says, put to death. That's pretty amputating. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, that's top on the list. That's top on the list. I was reading some statistics on, um, on Internet pornography. 42% of the sites visited in a month is approximately all porn. 42% of people on the Internet in the world, 42% of them, of global people here, 42% are visiting pornography. It's almost half of the people. Do you get that? Almost half of the people that are on the internet in the world are viewing pornography. That's huge. That's a problem. That's not just a problem. That's like a gigantic problem. That's an issue that we deal with all the time. And it infiltrates the church. It's We're people. I mean, we're part of that, I'm sure, 50%. And that's the first on the list there. It says, put to death those things. That could be a stronghold in your life. And what I mean by a stronghold is a stronghold is a place that you have allowed to, to have dominance in your life. That's what a stronghold is. It's a, it's, a, it's a place that you've allowed in your life to affect you. It's, it's sin that you've allowed. It's become a stronghold, an area of your life. And this is a real one that, man, affects just so many people. I deal with youth a lot. And you would be shocked how many youth struggle with pornography 
by the time they are 16 years old. I've had fathers come in and talk to me about their, their kids struggling with pornography for three years. And he's a teenager. When we are to take action against sin, it means we're to, you know, do something, put to death and cut off. And what that means, the whole smash, you know, destroy, all those pictures, it means that we're to cut off. And what that might mean when it comes to sexual immorality is it might mean you have to, maybe you've got to put a filter on your internet site. Maybe you've got to set it up where you're not the administrator. I work with a national or international ministry called Setting Captives Free, and I'm a mentor for, I have students that do a 60-day course just on purity, and these are men. And I have guys in South Africa, all over the place, that I monitor their work on a nightly basis. I have about 20 students. And, um, and they go over the biblical word on purity. And um, so many times, you know, I'll, I'll have one of those guys that'll say, man, I keep falling back. I keep struggling. And I'm like, well, what, what area are you falling back on? You know, what are you doing? Oh, well, it's the Internet. You know, of course, you know, again, the stats tell it all, you know. And, and I'll say, well, you know, do you have a filter? And they're like, yeah. And I go, are you the administrator? And they go, yeah. <laughs> I Okay. You guys get it? That's not amputation, right? That's kind of amputating. That's kind. Of, that's not really breaking, smashing. You know all those. That's kind of half doing it. You know. And I tell them, well, you know what? Why don't you just give the password? Have someone else be the administrator. Set it up where they have the password, man. That you know, because in a time of weakness in our life, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna again do this spiritual vacation, and we're gonna try to go do our thing. And man, when you got that, if someone else is the administrator, that's kind of tough now. Now amputation's starting to work. You know what I mean? You might be frustrated because you can't sin. But man, believe me, by the next day, you will be so blessed. You'll be like, wow, Lord, you saw me through. Man, that's right. Purity does precede power. You know, seeking that purity of God. But that's what amputation looks like when it comes to sexual immorality. It says impurity, lust. Whoa, notice those, those, what it talks about. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is all idolatry. Man, there's a lot of, lot of lust and a lot of desire and a lot of greed. And, and it says, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways. Amen, I used to walk in those ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such of these things, anger, rage, malice. You might be a person who's angry all the time, and that's your sin. You just are bitter, man. Bitter and angry. And every time you see this person, man, you are just blasting off. Then you need to learn how to amputate that sin a different way. Maybe instead of walking towards the person and addressing something all the time, maybe you've got to go around. Maybe there's something you have to do different, but you have to cut off. You have to do some kind of cutting off and dealing with that area. 
If you guys turn with me, one, one other passage in the New Testament is Hebrews. You guys are probably getting a good overview here of this subject, I hope. Yeah, go to Hebrews 12. It's towards the end of your Bible, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Let me see if we could find out where the amputation topic is in, the, in here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher, our perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you guys see in, in just that little section where the amputation is? Do you guys see it? Verse 1, right? What's, what's the action there, huh? Throw off, right? Throw off. Get rid of, throw off, whatever that takes. We have to amputate in our house, and we have to think of areas that we amputate in our homes, we have to think of areas we have to amputate in our work. We have to think of areas that we have to amputate when we are out just recreationally. All the time, amputation has to be implemented in a Christian's life. All the time, we need to be thinking, what is going on in my house? What are things that I need to amputate in my house? What are things that are trying to set themselves up against the things of God in my work? Is there someone at my work who's causing me to sin? Is there something that I'm looking at at my work that's causing me to sin? Those are things that need to be amputated. Maybe you can't have lunch anymore with those people. Maybe you, you can't because all you do is cut up with them. All you do is just talk about bad things and all you do is hear those things. Maybe you're going to have to you know, do what, we did in high, uh, what I did in high school when I got saved as a senior um, was just go in the library for a while, <laughs> you know, Maybe you've got to do that. You know, maybe there's a different way you've got to walk if you're in school. And you know, I know I talk to a lot of college kids that go, Man, Bo, I'm, I'm like at college. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's right there, like massive temptation. You, know, you can't even walk through the quad, right? So they go, what do you want, to, what do you want me to do, man? Like put blinders on? Yep. Get someone to walk you across. <laughs> no, I don't tell them that. But I tell them, hey, walk around. You know, maybe you got to take a few more minutes, but walk around. You know, if you can't go in that place because, man, it sets off something in your mind, then you got to do something else. you got to amputate it by getting around, walking around. For some of us, it means, man, we got to get the cable and we got to cut that. For some of us, it means that we can't, you know, we just can't go over people's house. Some of our neighbor's house or friend's houses that, you know, they watch certain things that, man, we just shouldn't be watching. You know, there's amputation all over the place, you know, that we have to watch. We have to amputate how we treat other people, meaning if, if we're too friendly with people where it, it, looks, it doesn't look right, you know. And sometimes I see husbands, you know, treating other wives nicer than they treat their own wives. 
you know, and you're like, I don't know, and I'm out playing ice hockey a lot, and I'm playing soccer a lot, and I'm out just with the people of Tucson, you know, and you see a lot of people and how they act, and you're like, whoa, that's weird, you know, it's like another husband's rubbing another man's wife's back, and they're just doing it friendly, but man, I was thinking, no way, dude, we don't go down that route. You know, we amputate that. I mean, there's some girl comes up to me and says, hey, Bo, how's it going? You know, hey, and starts rubbing my back. I'm like, later, I'm out. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, I don't sit there and go, oh, thanks, you know. And then my wife's there, hey, honey, how you doing? Yeah, she's rubbing my back. And, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, but it happens all the time, right? In the world, it happens all the time, you know. I mean, it's just people don't think about it. You know, they just, they're, they're just doing it, you know. But we're to amputate those things. You know, we're to deal with it. I just want to give us a couple quick things to just before we before I pray and we just end. I think you guys got the topic pretty well by now. Um, I'm going to just read to you First Peter chapter five, verse eight, and then I'm going to read First Thessalonians five, verse six. This one is a very popular passage. It says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, it says, Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Be alert. That's what that says. Be alert. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5, which if you're at 1 Peter, just go back a little bit. And go to 1 Thessalonians 5, and let's look at verse 6. It says, So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So here we see again that to be alert, to be self-controlled. And that's, that's what the Bible's telling us. That's what God's telling us today is, you know, we all have areas where we need to amputate. All of us. It is daily. It is sometimes every minute we work on amputation. But I just pray that all of us are alert to it. That we're not falling asleep to it. That we're not thinking, hey, you know, this is okay. But that we are being on the offensive when it comes to this war that we wage against sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory. For you are holy and you are righteous and you are just. And Lord, we thank you so much for the, the power of your grace that enables us, Lord, not only to be right in your eyes, but Lord, to uh, be set apart, to be sanctified in you, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to uh, be alert, to be aware of what our surroundings are. Lord, give us a heart for purity. Give us a heart, Lord, for your holiness to amputate, Lord, for your glory, that you would re- receive the praise in our lives. Uh, Father, I know that you 
uh, are searching our hearts even this morning, Lord, and you've shown us um, areas of our life that uh, need to be amputated. And I pray that as we leave here, Lord, we wouldn't just throw those things aside and just say that was, that was just great in, at the church, but now that I'm home, it's just back to the same, oh Lord. Help us to take action against those things. Lord, give us a passion for you, a passion for your holiness, for we know that the days are short, Lord. And so we give it all to you. We thank you so much for your word and the clarity that it brings to our lives and the nourishment, Lord, it brings to our soul. And we just bless you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.